Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Oh, I feel good. Isn't God good? We want to pick up last week when we left off, so we're, we're going to go over back to the book of, uh, if you would, just as we, as we look back in Joshua chapter 14, and uh, we're, we're going to go over this just in a briefly, and then I want to get into our thought for today. We're using the same outline as last week because of some areas I want to cover that I didn't quite get into last week. And it's not a message you haven't heard, but it's one that we need to go back and renew ourselves to. And... Uh, you know, I love it when people say, well, I've already heard that. I said, well, how many times do you have to hear John 3.16 before you take ownership and it becomes a reality? You might be saved, but that doesn't mean you've taken ownership. See, I can believe in something. That doesn't mean that I participate in it. And it seems like that kind of mindset and lethargy has come into the church that we say what we believe, but we don't, we don't speak it, we don't live it, we don't act upon it. And so we've lost our influence, and we've allowed the world to influence us rather than us influence them. We've allowed the world to try to intimidate us, and so now we try and change our theology to accommodate the circumstance so that we can be accepted. But the Bible says that if you're a true believer, you're not going to be accepted by the world. The world's going to hate you. And so we need the favor of God, just like we are, we're running for election. We need the favor of God because anytime a person of God living righteously is involved in those things, they need God's hand to be upon the hearts of the people because otherwise the world will not accept them. But I believe God puts his hands on people. We walk in favor. And when that happens, we're able to make even the king whose heart is against us turn. And I believe we're in that season right now for the church. Because the world is so confused, they're looking for answers, and, and they're realizing that everything they have seen and everything they've experienced is not solving the problem. We live in a system that technology is going at such a pace that for, is happening today is old news tomorrow. We're living in a system that we're seeing more inventions taking place in a week than we saw in the last hundred years almost. It's a crazy time we live in. And you think that we are so smart that we wouldn't have the problems we have. But you have to understand that when you're controlled by the world system, the world system, it doesn't matter how smart you are because the world system, it giveth and it taketh away. The whole idea is to get you moving into a direction, but down the road, trust me, it's coming back to take it away from you. And so we as believers have to learn how to take ownership so that we are no longer held captive by the things that are in this world. We have to understand that if we're going to possess something, we have to own it first. Ownership is found first in the Word of God, and you have to go to the Word of God to understand that. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But once you go through the Word of God, and you can, by, the, by in your inner being, in your spirit, man, you can take ownership of what God's saying. Now you're ready to take ownership of what God has set in place for your life. You can't possess what God has in place for your life or you'll lose it if you haven't first taken ownership. See, ownership, it doesn't matter. For instance, we, we have a storm that's out there, and, uh, and but, you know, it looks like it's going to go west of us, which we've been very blessed here in South Florida the last few years. And I don't wish that storm on anybody. I just hope it dissipate and go away. But the reality is this, is that that storm came, and we had a storm in 2005, and in that storm, it blew the roof off our school. Just blew the roof right off the school. I mean, we walked into the, into the cafeteria, and we were ankle deep in water. We walked into the administration uh, wing, and we were ankle deep in water. My house, I, I lost my roof on my house, and it, it blew my fireplace the, the, my, on top of my house, the chimney. It just blew it right off my house into the pool. It was a mess. But you need to understand something, though. No matter how bad it was, when the storm passed, I still owned it. Come on. And because I owned it, God helped me to restore it. 
because we own the school, God helped us to restore the building. See, you can't have, the enemy might come steal, kill, and destroy. But God says when you identify him, he's got to come back and give it back sevenfold. But he don't have to give anything back to somebody who has not ownership of it. Come on. And that's been the problem with the church is we possess a lot, but we don't own a whole lot. Spiritually, we, we preach the gospel and people get saved and, and people, they, they have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they know their eternity is, is set in place. But they live in a world that seems like every time they turn around, something's wrong. Nothing's going its right way that it should. And we, and we understand that the world is dictating to us. I said the world is dictating, and I'm not talking about the church as an organization or the church as a, as a name brand, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Abundant Life, or whatever you call yourself. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the church of believers. Whether you go to first church or second church or third church or whichever church you go to, if you're a believer in Christ, then we have a, we have a mandate from God to take ownership of the world in which we live. Amen. So that's something that we, we've been talking about. And we need to see this. Now, in this passage of Scripture, and, and we're not going to read all the Scripture, but in this passage goes from Joshua 14, 6 through 15, we find that Caleb is now been through. And let's look what Caleb has gone through. Number one, Caleb went to the land of promise, came back, gave a good report. People rejected it. And now, even though, watch this, he said, I wholly followed the Lord my God. Remember us talking about that last week. Uh, you know what? Let's go back and read it. Just some of you, I, I want you to make sure you get this. Go back, go back over to the book of Joshua. Let's bring that up on the screen, if you would, please. Chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua, Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Canaan's party. And it's important you see something. You know the word which the Lord said to us. How did God speak to them? They spoke to them through Moses. How does God speak today? Through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What did God say to us this year in the year of driven? What was it that the, see, some people took ownership and some was just excited. <laughs> but God gave us a mandate this year. Next verse. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me out from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back with him to, word to him as it was in my heart. I took ownership of what God said through Moses and I made it mine. Well, I'm not going to listen to any man. Well, you better start listening to men and women of God. If he had not taken ownership, when you're marching around a desert with a bunch of losers, and I mean losers, I'm talking about people who said, we look like grasshoppers in front of the giants. We can never take it. We're, we're never going to make it. And now you got to march around for 40 years in the desert with these guys? Our nation's never going to make it. We're never going to come out of it. It's the worst time we've ever seen. We're never going to recover. Our never, nation will never be what it was before. Really, you loser? That's why God said, if the church will rise up, God's raising up the church in the last days that we're going to be a witness that cannot be denied. He's coming back for a church that's not a weak church, but a powerful church. This is our season where sin abounds, grace is much more. This is my moment. But it can't be my moment if I haven't taken ownership of what God said. Forty years. Now watch this now. Not only did he walk around 40 years with this, he had to watch every one of them that spoke against them die. He had to watch them die. Now, as I said last week, it's not humorous, but it is. Because if you read the scripture, when they were in the desert for 40 years, you didn't have to get a new pair of Jordans because the Jordans you had didn't wear out. I know you wouldn't like that because you've been infected by your father, but that's okay. But their clothes didn't wear out. 
Their shoes didn't wear out. But those who didn't take ownership of the word of God, their body wore out. That's almost frightening, isn't it? And Caleb and Joshua had to watch them. Now, now watch this now. He says in the verse here, he says, 40 years. Oh, when, I, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Katie's barn, he's about the land. And I brought back word to him, and it was my heart. Next verse. Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the heart of the people to melt, but holy followed the Lord, but I wholly followed the Lord, my God. Next verse. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. You followed him when everybody was against you. You followed him when all the voices spoke against you. You followed him when you looked at the enemy who looked like they could just, they could, you were like nothing but a grasshopper to them. You followed them when you were in the, in the, in the desert. You followed them, it followed, holy followed the Lord. No matter what happened, when people were dying, you still followed him. Next verse. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day. Here I am this day. I'm 85 years old. 45 years of struggle. But when you have ownership, it don't matter how long it takes. But here's the other side bar. All the other people, their bodies failed them. He was as strong at 85 as he was at 40. Boy, I love that. You know, he's got some kind of anti-aging cream or something. (laughs) See, I am convinced that if you wholly follow the Lord with what he's spoken to you and you take ownership of that, it will quicken you, strengthen you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have obstacles. Doesn't mean you're not going to face giants. Next verse quickly. Yes, yet I'm as strong this day to go that Moses sent me just as many strength, just as my strength was then, so now my strength is for war, both going out and for coming in. See, we skip over that sometimes, but you need to read it. Going out, coming in. <laughs> Understand. You've got to finish as strong as as you began. Oh, Lord, help me here. If my latter ministry is not greater than my former ministry, then I'm going to feel like I'm a failure. We'll talk about it another time. But I've got so many great things planned for my latter ministry. It's, you know, and people look at me, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know. This is what God's speaking to me, and this is what he spoke to me when he called me into ministry, and this is what I'm going to do, and I've not stopped doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it, and, and I don't know. How are you going to do it? It's not up to me to know how to do it. i just got to keep doing it. Why? Because God is on your side. You get knocked down, but Paul says, get back up. I love that. Just because you've gone through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, don't fear the evil. Just, go, just because you go through it, don't worry about it because I'm going to be with you. Just because the enemy comes one way. That should tell you something. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It means there's some weapons coming your way. <laughs> I don't need a scripture that is going to deliver me when I'm not going to have to be delivered. So when he says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that means there's something out there. So think it not strange. When you fall into divers, temptations, testings, and trials. Temptations, testings, and trials is not whether you're believing for your healing or believing for blessing. It's that you're believing what God said to you, and no matter what the enemy throws your way. I mean, give me a break. Paul, let's say he got shipwrecked a couple times, got snake bitten, got whipped a number three times, cat of nine tails. Got stoned, but he kept coming back. And he stands in front of the king Agrippa while he's incarcerated, and he says, Hey, king, guess what? I think myself happy. 
So look at the person next to you and say, you need to start thinking happy when all hell breaks loose. Wow. You know what we do? We run to the nearest little prayer group that will sympathize with us and get down and cry with us. We want to talk to somebody, and when they don't give you what you want, then you go to find somebody. You've got to find somebody that will listen to you and hurt with you and cry with you. And I love it this way. I can't minister to them because I can't identify. I don't want to identify. I can't tell you how many couples we've ministered to through the years that were struggling with divorce, and I've never been divorced. I don't need to help you because I, I don't need to get in the hole with you so I can identify with your mess. I just need to know what the Word of God says. Come on, stay with me, folks. And so here he is, and he's talking, and he says, listen, it's been 45 years. Next verse. Now, therefore, oh, I love this. Give me the mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims were there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Next verse. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritor. He said, listen, I can take ownership, and I'm ready. Now, here's real important. He says, I've been 45 years, but now I'm ready because I have ownership, I'm now ready to possess. See, sometimes you have ownership for something, but you got to wait till God puts it in place before you possess it. Mm-hmm. Don't mess it up. It's like buying a house. I got a good deal on the house, but you didn't count on what the insurance costs, what the light bill costs, what's the upkeep costs, and then all of a sudden you realize, all oh, I can pay a mortgage, but I can't pay for the house. You got to count the cost before you go building that building. You might have ownership, but you better count the cost before you build it. But if you count the cost before you build it, you can take that which you own and now you can turn it around. God's about to turn some things around here. God's about to change some stuff right now. Driven is the definition is carried along by a current. It's, a motive, it's being motivated by a compulsive quality or need. In other words, I cannot help myself for this thing. I can't help myself. Of course, in Numbers, we saw the assignment. We saw that. I'm going to go back to that. But what I want us to go to is Genesis chapter 1. And I want to talk about Adam and Eve and, and, and how they're talking about possession and ownership and how they lost sight of what God told them to do. Genesis chapter 1, this is what God's saying to the church today. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. The Lord blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I've given you every herd that yields seed. I won't get into that right now. Five things you need to mark down if you haven't done that. Number one, God said to them, I want you to be fruitful. As a church, we have to be fruitful. As an individual, I have to be fruitful. As a child of God, I have to be fruitful. The Bible says I'm not fruitful according to the book of John chapter 15. He says he'll come in and trim off the limbs that aren't aren't fruitful. He'll bundle you up and put you away. But if you're fruitful, God says, I'm glorified when you bear fruit in the same chapter, chapter 15 of the book of John. God gets excited when you become fruitful spiritually, mentally, physically, financially. God gets excited for you to be productive. God called you, is in your DNA to be productive. No one was born into this world didn't have a concept of productivity. I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. I, I love to watch my grandchildren. They don't think about anything other than they want what they want because it's in their nature to want. Look at somebody and say, it's in your nature too. But in the church, we've tried to suppress our wants by calling it sin. Not so. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So if I'm in the Lord, my wants are met. Well, there are things you desire. Desire is a want. If you believe in your heart and not doubt it, you can have it. That's a want. 
Everybody needs to know when you were born, you were born to be possessive and productive. What do you mean? We're in the back last night. We, we, we were here for the Brother Day's wife's memorial service. It was a great service last night. It was wonderful. And celebrating the life of a great lady. So I walked in, and I was getting ready, and I put my stuff down on the table. And I got ready, and I came out, and I'm talking to people and all that. And I come back in, and my daughter-in-law comes to me, and she says, here, and hands me a key. I said, what is that? She said, well, you left it on the table, and uh, Oakley picked it up. That's not Oakley's key, but it's in his mind to possess. Oh, some of you don't get it. You can't help it. It's your DNA to be fruitful, to be productive. It's in, ownership means productivity. You, you, if you can't be productive if you don't possess something, but you can't truly possess something and have the right productivity if you don't own it. God gave mankind the earth. He said he created, according to the psalmist, he created the heavens and the earth. The heavens are mine, but I gave man the earth. So your ownership, the first thing in ownership is you, whatever you've got, you've got to figure out how it can be productive, how it can be fruitful. Now watch this now. Not only, number one, does he say you have to be fruitful, but then he says something very unique about it. He says, now you've got to take what you're fruitful with and multiply it. Multiply it. Got out of seminary, went to, went to youth pastor, pastor, youth pastor in a church, and I began to teach our, our, our students about success and victory. And I had one of the older gentlemen come in, one of the, the deacons in the church had been here a long time, come in and wanted to talk to me. And he says, you're teaching them that they can get filled with the Holy Spirit and that, that, that the empowering God is in them and they, there's nothing that's impossible to them. And he says, he says, and I appreciate that. I know you're all excited, but you have to understand that really isn't the way life goes. And I thought to myself, how long have you been teaching people to fail? Because it's not enough to teach them to be fruitful. You've got to teach them how to multiply what they have. You know why? Because if all you do is produce one fruit for another fruit, you can't help anybody. You can't feed anybody. You can't change anybody. You've got to multiply spiritually, mentally, physically, economically. You're going to want to multiply in every area of your life. You want to grow in the Spirit. You want to mature in the Spirit. You want to be able to move in the presence and power of God like you never have before. That you also mentally want to be able to walk in such a strong mind that you refuse to be double-minded in anything that you face. You're single-minded. You know directly where I'm at. I know that God is on my side. That's all I need to know. Multiply. Turn to someone and say, it's time that you started multiplying. Well, he's talking about you to just having more children. No, he's not. If you believe that, then you don't believe Mark chapter 4. The sower sows the seed. Produces 30, 60, and 100 fold when it's, when it's put into motion. If you don't believe that, you can't believe Ephesians where it says, God will do it seedly abundantly above what you ask or think. You, if you don't believe that, then you can't believe in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where God says, I'll give seed to the sower and multiply his seed sown. So don't talk to me. He's just talking about kids here. It's a lifestyle. Come on, say lifestyle. My lifestyle is not just to be productive, but it's to multiply my productivity. Whew. Boy, that's awesome to me. Again, you have to go back and read the scripture. What did God say to Abraham. I'm going to bless you. He promised him a descendant. But he said, out of him, all nations would be blessed. Yeah, he said, look at the stars. Your descendant is going to multiply. It's not enough. I said, it's not enough just to have something. Oh, I've always wanted that. Big deal. Don't you want to multiply it? Well, I don't want to be too greedy. Oh, I am. When it comes to the things of God, I'm the most greedy person in the world. And here's our problem in the church. We believe, oh, be greedy for the things of God, the presence of God, the power of God, but not the blessing of God. I don't understand that process. I want it all. I don't want some of it. I like the whole package. When I got married to my wife, I wanted the whole package, not part. 
You'll figure that one out in a minute. <laughs> Multiply. Then take what you've got and begin to fill the earth. This is where the church has missed it. We have not, listen, God wants us to fill South Florida. He wants us as a church to be such a power-packed group that we affect everything, whether it is a, an election or whether it's feeding the hungry or whether it's helping people get delivered from drugs. Or bringing, listen, we're an oasis for people to come to in the middle of their desert so that they can be taken care of. We have to fill the earth with what God has given us, but you can't do it till you multiply and then he says something very unique. He says, and once you learn to do that, now you position yourself that you can subdue. What does it mean to subdue? I can subdue you. I can stop you. Well, that's another story altogether. Of course, you know, I'm one of those biblical guys, and I believe that if Joshua could say to the sun and moon, stand still. I believe that the church would do what God's saying here and practice what he has told us to do and take ownership and begin to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. I believe we can say this election is not going that way. It's going the other way. We're now we're calling on heaven and earth to alter. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you believe what you want. I'll believe what I want. If God can turn Pharaoh's heart, if God can, can, can take Esther and turn the king's heart, Come on, stay with me, folks. It's time the church became the church. He says, and what, look at this. Once you learn how to subdue, how to alter, how to stop that thing, he says, now you can have dominionship. You have dominionship. And God wants us to walk in that dominionship. Now, let me help you with this a little bit more. I mean, I mean kind of going around this thing. Here's where I want to go in chapter 2 of the book of, of Genesis. He begins... And he talks about in the garden there was no one to till the soil and there was no one there. And it says, the Lord formed man, verse 7, formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree to grow that is pleasant in his sight and good for food. The tree of life was also the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now the river went out of the Eden to water the garden, and from there they parted between four river heads. Now I want, I want to hold it right there because I'll talk about the rivers in a moment. Did you get this about the garden? I want to suggest to you that the garden is a type and shadow of the New Testament church. It is a type and shadow that lets us take peek into the future is how God sees us. Because the Bible says that, first off, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the kingdom of God dwells where? It dwells in the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is inside of man. God had man in the garden where he had relationship with him. God has Jesus in you, which is where it represents the garden. And don't forget, in that garden, everything was good. Everything was good to look at. Everything was good to eat. It was all there. It's powerful. And out of that garden, watch this, out of that garden flowed four rivers and each river took you to a place of incredible harvest or to the gold and to the silver or where some people found oil and other. They all took you to places of incredible prosperity. Well, how does that got to do with us? Out of your belly flows the rivers of living water. Where's the garden? It's here. It's in me. And out of my belly flows those four rivers that cause me to walk in success. Whew. Type and shadow. As long as I am operating in the authority that is in the garden, 
Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Nothing is impossible. And so what happens is the enemy through the eye gate, remember we talked about in the ear gate, has to get into the heart of man to get them to quit living according to the principles of the garden. And so the enemy comes because God said to man, now here's the, here's the key, here's the protocol. You are there to till the garden. In other words, make sure that everything stays the way it is. And you're there to guard and protect it. God help the church if we've just been guarding and protecting our nation. But we haven't. We've been sleeping at the door. We've been sleeping at the gate. Our guards are asleep. But in the garden, he says, you guard it. And you protect it from the intruder. Now, with that in mind, if the garden of God, when you receive Christ, if it is in you, and the belly flows the rivers of life out of it, and that God has now redeemed me from the curse of the law, which is the curse on, on mankind and that which is natural and physical, he's redeemed me from that. So now I have the authority to be productive in the garden as long as I guard and protect it. How do I till the garden? I do it by the renewing of my mind. How do I till the garden? I do it by hearing the word of God preached because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do I till the garden? By joining myself to other believers so that we can now encourage one another and lift one another up and pray together. And, and that's, why, that's why COVID was so incredibly demonic because it caused people to quit fellowshipping together. And even in this church, half our congregations never come back because, they, because of COVID. They got so afraid of COVID. They no longer have fellowship. And so when we don't have fellowship, we can't be as productive as we're supposed to be. I got to till the garden. I got I to till this garden. I got to bring it into subjection. I got to tear down imaginations. I, I've got to hide the word of God in the, in the garden. I've got to plant the word of God, which is a seed that produces 30, 60, and 100. I got to put it in. But what did the enemy do? He goes to the woman and he says, look at that tree over there. What she should have said is shut up. But some of you can't say shut up, the Fox News. CNN. Democrat, Republican. You can't say no to that. So you just, you, you, well, okay, it won't hurt. I'm strong enough that I can listen to you because it ain't going to bother me. I'm strong enough I can watch a little bit of pornography because it won't bother me. I'm strong enough that I can hang out with a bunch of people that are ungodly because I'm supposed to be a witness and, and I can handle it. I, I can go to any party there is. I don't have to worry about it. I know they're all a drunken people, but it doesn't matter. I'm strong enough. See, that's when it starts. Because now you begin to put something down in the garden that doesn't belong there. He says, uh, God's lied to you. <laughs> Isn't it sound like the world? The church has lied to you. All they want is your money. Could you send us a donation? That's what they say. I always love it. Don't you love it when people are multimillionaires? They talk about all the churches want is your money. When they don't do nothing unless you pay them. I think all LeBron James wants is money. That's why he does what he does. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, don't fool me by saying he's doing this because he just loves the game. <laughs> That's long past, baby. <laughs> he loves the game, but he's something he loves more than the game. And he knows how to multiply. See, the world knows how to take theirs and multiply it, and we sit on our duff. And so, she's listening to him. He says, look at that tree. So now not only is he listening, but now he's opened his eye gate up to let what he's listening to 
to dictate what he's looking at as to how it's supposed to be seen. Isn't that like the world? They're trying to tell people about us so they can dictate to the world how they're supposed to look at the church. Because words paint pictures on the canvas of your mind. I've learned a long time ago, and I've had to learn to practice this and work at it. But when I know somebody, and I've gotten to know them, and I mean I really know them, when somebody comes to talk to me about them, I go, shut up. Yeah, but I don't want to hear it. But you, I don't need to know it. Why? Because I know them, and you're about to try and get me to open my ear gate so you can paint a picture on the canvas of my mind that now my eye gate is looking at something that's not true. It's a false reality. Don't let me build on perception. Hmm. So now, because she's let it come to the ear and the eye, she now in her heart says, you know what? I can eat that fruit. And she partook of the fruit. And what happened? They lost ownership. They still had possession of the earth because there's nobody to fight with them, but they no longer had ownership. And when you don't have ownership, you could always lose possession. Well, let's look at ourselves. What has the world done to the church? If we're not careful, we've lost ownership of ourselves. We've lost ownership of our dreams. We've lost ownership of our vision because we've allowed the world system to paint a different picture in my eyes, in my mind. And so now I'm living not according to what God said. I'm not, I'm, the waters of, living waters are not flowing out of me now to produce success. But they now have been shut off. And now I have to depend upon the world to handle my future and to handle my life. Oh, God help me. So what does the world do? What does the world do? It creates confusion. It creates confusion. In our life, we see confusion everywhere we look. Like I said, we see it politically. We see it educationally. We see it racially. I mean, we've really bought into this lie. We see it with genders. I mean, it's amazing to me how the church has allowed the world to dictate to us. When the Bible says they're neither male nor female, but we're all one in Christ. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating to me that the, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but we've got racial division in the body of Christ. I don't think Jesus died on the cross and said, okay, I want all the Caucasians over here. Blacks, no, you're over here. All the Hispanic is over here. Oh, we need to put the Asians over here because I got to deal with everybody different. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't die on the cross for segregation. But here's what we've done. We bought into the lie. If I believe that men are going to do more than women, then women who believe that will never achieve their purpose. If I believe that God is one who segregates and does more for one group of people than the other, then I can never be what God created me to be. And again, I, we can unfold this thing. We go into a lot of things. We see this with Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were brothers. They've been brought up under the same family. But one perceived something the other did not. And so what did they do? He killed his brother. And isn't that what we're doing today? We're killing our brothers. We're killing our sisters. And we're all using in the name of equality. I don't know how to tell you this. There's no such thing as inequality in the body of Christ. Amen. We're all one. Now, I'm stepping on some toes and some of you are go, can you believe what? I don't care what you say. It's the truth. Right. Like it, leave it, lump it, really don't care. 
God has called me to tell you the truth. And the truth is that if you have Christ in you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Stop looking in the mirror and start looking internally and see who God is to you. And the God of heaven and earth, he will give you the power to be anything and everything he's called you to be. Say, where are you going with this, Pastor? I'm telling you, you got to start protecting your garden. Do not lose ownership of your garden. What causes the garden to be productive, being fruitful, multiply, replenish, and gives you dominionship? It's the sowing of a seed. Without the sowing of a seed, there can be no claim to ownership. He says, tend it, guard it, protect it. He says, but don't, you need to understand, take care of what you've got. Do not allow yourself to be put in, 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 into the place of, of disobedience. Do not, do not allow this to take place in your life. We, we, we as a, a group of people have allowed the enemy literally to bring us into a place that we are, in, in, we are so disqualified from what God has promised us. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. That means I have a right to vote unless I've broken the law and I've gone to jail. But now we're trying to make disqualified people give the ability to vote, which if we give disqualified people the ability to do what qualified people have, then we lose our ownership. Adam and Eve disqualified themselves from ownership. Consequently, they lost their possession. When they lost their possession, we go to the book of Mark and the book of Matthew and the book of Mark where Satan comes to Jesus after he's been fasting and he says to him, if you will fall down and worship me, all these kingdoms of the world. When did he own the kingdoms? When Adam and Eve gave up ownership. The difference is Jesus lived a sinless life, went to a cross, shed his blood, died on the cross, went to hell, suffered the pains of hell. The Holy Spirit resurrected him from the dead, and with it he took the keys of death and hell. He took it back with him. He put the enemy underneath his feet. He came back to man. He says, now here, I'm putting the garden back in place in you. I'm giving you authority, the keys of the kingdom. Don't give up your ownership. Don't let the enemy invade your garden again. Protect your mind. Protect your heart. Protect your hearing. Protect what you're doing. Don't allow it. Because if we allow it, we disqualify. Disobedience is a road to compromise. Compromise will disqualify you from ownership. Disqualification will separate you from purpose. Separation from your purpose will alter your ability to possess. 2022 is a year to take ownership and possession of your heritage and your dreams. Wow. You'll have to learn to discipline, be disciplined in your pursuit. I got so much more I could get into today. I, I just got to hold up right there. I just feel like it's time to get in some ministry for a change. But the church has got to come back and take ownership. I've got to find my purpose in life. There's so many of us sitting in the church today that have given up their purpose just to, because the world system says you want to survive and you got to stop doing this and do this. Brother, I love it when you said God called you to be in politics. I thought that was fascinating. Christians don't understand that. Our, 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 our missionary, Jeff Dove, you all know him. He's been here many times. He was a missionary for a number of years over in Asia. He was a, the uh, overseer of five different countries over there. And he got a call one day from a guy who said, you know, I work for the same organization as you do, and we do. We're the, we're, we're the printers of a thing called the Fire Bible. 
And I've been praying about it, and God spoke to me that you're to take over this position. He says, I'm a missionary. I'm on the field. What do you mean, take over? Go back to Springfield, work out of Springfield? Are you crazy? I'm a missionary, man. And he said, it just began to haunt him. So Jeff called me up. And he came down. He said, can I come down and spend a few days with you? Because God's allowed me to be a mentor in his life, and he looks at me as that mentor. So he came down, and he shared with me these things. And he said, I've worked all my life to get to where I'm at in missions. We're, we're doing more missions than we've ever done in our lives. I said, but what has God called you to do? He says, a missionary going all the world and preach the gospel. I said, oh, okay. Not just five countries. See, in this organization, you're called to a country. Nothing wrong with that. I believe God puts lands and people on your heart that he's called you to. But I always knew with Jeff there was something bigger than that. But, we, but it was just, you know, and, and when he first went as a missionary, he went to, went to Laos. And then, he, and then he went to another country. And then he ended up back in Thailand. And he was overseeing five countries in the Asia Pacific. And he said, Would you, I said, yeah, we'll pray about it. So the next day we, we went out and played golf. We were on a golf course. He said, what did God say to you? I said, not a thing. Nothing. So we played golf. We went to dinner. Dropped him off. He said, what's God saying to you? I said, nothing. He said, are you praying? See, I'm praying. Next day we went to play golf. He said, What did God say to you? I said, Absolutely nothing. Now, I mean, you can get this in a moment, it's very important. See, Moses said to Joshua and Caleb, This is what the word of the Lord is, and it's what the Lord is promising you. Jeff was smart enough to know that he heard what his organization had told him. But he needed to hear what the man of God, God placed in his life, was going to say to him. Oh, I just missed somebody. I don't need any man telling me. I would never tell you what to do. I can only tell you what the Lord tells me, then you, you decipher. It's the reason you need mentors in your life, guys. Third day, we went out playing golf. I'll never forget it. He stops the car. He says, well, what's the Lord telling you I should do? I said, take the job. He said, that's it? I said, that's it. He said, why would the Lord tell you to tell me to take the job? I said, because with the fire Bible, you will reach millions of people, whereas in the five nations, you're only reaching thousands. So he says, I believe that. I received that. He began to pray about it. He went back and his people around him came to him and said you can't do that you can't do that you're a missionary he called me up he said I need to talk to you because you're putting this stuff in my head I said Jeff you're still a missionary you're just coming at it from a different angle I hung up the phone a few days later man I'm telling you I've been told by my family I've been told by the pastors I've been told that I, I said Jeff telling you the word of the Lord take this job well here we are about 10 or 11 years later they printed about 7 or 8 Bibles now they've done 53 editions he's raised millions upon millions of dollars for the fire Bible he's reached millions and millions of people around the world and he's still not done yet what I'm saying to you is what did God say to you what happened to your dream what happened to your vision? Because your dream and your vision find strength out of the garden. Because out of the garden is where the rivers flow. And if you'll stay true to the dream, the dream will stay true to you. If you believe in the vision, the vision will believe in you. If you'll stay true to the word of God and not look to the left or to the right, possess your mountain. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I don't care whether you're male or you're female. I don't care whether you're black, white. I don't care what color you are. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
our children were born just like we prayed this morning. We declared healthy, wealthy, wise, full of the Holy Ghost. Have a good disposition, and they'll touch their generation for Christ. Doesn't that sound great? My daughter, my daughter, went to ORU, graduated, came back and said, no, I'm going to be a lawyer. Really? My son said, I'm sick of trying to live up everybody else's expectations. So he went to Costa Rica and lived like the world system for a season. That's his testimony. I'm not going to add a thing. Somebody said, what did you do? I refused to look left and I refused to look right. I kept letting the rivers of living water flow out of my wife and I's belly. And guess what? My daughter calls me up. She's weeping on the phone. She says, Dad, God has visited me. Can I come home and be in ministry? Let me pray. No, of course you can come home. I'll be to pray. I didn't have to pray about that one. Sean, we're having lunch. He shows up, didn't tell us anything about it. In the miracle, I'll let him tell you the miracle later of how God opened the door for him to deliver him, set him free. He had an encounter with God. You know why? Because we kept the garden in place. could possess his mountain is because he kept the word of the Lord where the garden is in place. Even though everything looked wrong round about him, he says, I'm not changing. I'm not going to try and accommodate. I'm not going to try and be a part of the team. I know what God said to me. And at 85 years of age, that which he never gave up ownership from when the man of God spoke to him, he took possession. And to this day, they still have it. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.